it's not that we can't afford it. So we choose not to spend our money on that. We spend, we almost always are able to come up with money for what we really value. Always. Mm -hmm. Right. Like people who say they can't afford something. And then, and then the, like you were saying in the store, it's like, Oh, well, we don't want to buy that toy, but we do want to buy this shirt. <laughs> and it's, you know, often like an appearance or something along those lines. But so, so first just noticing those things and, and sit down and get conscious of what your thoughts and beliefs are about money. So really simple ways just to sit down and go like, what did, what are the top five I have people when they do their money story, write down their very first money memory. We almost all have, most people can come up with it pretty easily. The first time they remember like thinking about money as a thing, like they're like, oh, and they write that down and they start to even just pick that apart. And they realize like there's some big downloads and, and beliefs that got embedded just in that. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have a special uh, guest with me today. I have a doctor in the house. So I have Dr. Barrientes. Uh, she is the founder of No Effing Around Neurofreedom Alignment. Uh, she's a coach who helps entrepreneurs train their brain to create freedom and alignment in life and business. What makes Amanda unique is how she coaches from coupling her social sciences training with her real life experiences of going from food stamps to six figures in under three years. Today, she has a growing coaching company and it is her greatest joy to help others experience mindset, money, marketing, and manifestation shifts so they can get unstuck and be free to get where they want to go. That is in my wheelhouse. So I am excited. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amanda. Yeah, it's such a joy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, I love the fact that you are open about uh, the, the peaks and the valleys. And I heard you speak at a special conference that I was uh, part of, and uh, I really enjoyed your honesty. And so I'm looking forward to kind of di diving into this with you. And so um, I'd like to kind of uh, start off with, can you give us a little bit of a backstory, uh, your story, and, uh, and, then, um, and then we can go from there. Yeah. How, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> uh, where were you born? No, <laughs> but, no um, you, you, you pick the story because I want you All to right. tell me what's relevant to you, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Boy, um, you know, I, I think that I love, love, love listening to people's life stories because it is those peaks and valleys that really shape us into who we are today. And, you know, because it's a money podcast, I've had so many big money shifts in my life. And it, it, I think that the 
biggest gift I've ever gotten is realizing that money is a skill that you can learn. Wealth building is a skill that you can learn. And I didn't know that. So, you know, where that story starts for me is that I was... I mean, it doesn't just happen to you? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that. I used to think that, you know. Oh, I'm <laughs> not so one of those lucky ones, I, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I thought like, well, I'm born this way. This is just the way it goes. Wealthy people are kind of these magical creatures who either were born into it or they just have some skill. I didn't even think of it as a skill. I just thought they have some magical power that I don't have and I don't understand how to get it. <laughs> so, you know, for me in that way, it started when I was, um, I got pregnant really young at 20 and, and so I ended up dropping out of college and we had three babies and, you know, went on in our lives and we're married for 15 years. And then I went back to school to finish my bachelor's. And in that I started taking a whole bunch of different classes and, and waking up to things that I hadn't experienced before. I was also raised fundamentalist Christian, which was the way that the belief system was structured for me was pretty black and white. And there were a lot of money downloads about how money is the root of all evil. <laughs> And so I got a lot of those belief systems. And then also that women aren't empowered financially because women weren't allowed to do anything in the church. And, um, you know, it was like men were the breadwinners. And so there were a lot of stories going on in my mind. And so I ended up leaving my 15 year marriage, having an affair. My next relationship's totally falling apart. I didn't have relationship skills. I'm laying on the floor crying one night and I'm like, hmm, crap, my life, this part of my life, like I was in grad school. So I was on my way in that world where I'm really good at school because I could check the box and do the things and get through it and set goals in that way. But my relationship and my money world was a mess. So here I am on the floor crying and I'm going, I'm the center of these problems. This is the common denominator. And in that moment, I was like, hmm, I got to do something different. And I really am willing to do whatever it takes because I'm tired of this reality. And I didn't have any money at the time. I was facing homelessness. Boulder, Colorado is a really expensive place to live. I was in grad school. My ex-husband had lost his job. So I have no child support. I have three kids. And I'm like, you know, lots of shame. My free counselor's telling me, you got to go get on food stamps. And I so didn't want to because I was embarrassed and I felt all the shame around it, but I went anyway. And I started listening to a whole bunch of podcasts, which is why I have a podcast too. I think it's an incredible gift you can give to the world. And I, I started listening to everything I could. It actually started with relationships for me. I started going, I got to fix my relationships. In a lot of ways, I look at it now and I realize it's because I thought, well, you know, I'm in this money situation because I don't have a partner. And, and so I need a partner to help me with my money situation, <laughs> you know, which has led me to empowering myself as well. But I started listening to everything I could. And then that led me to understanding that I didn't have anywhere in my values system, anything about wealth building. And I, I went, oh, wait, you can learn skills to make money. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was just like it, these huge light bulbs went off and it was actually a really big gift. I was in a workshop with um, a group of people who I perceived as being really wealthy because they paid $5,500 to get into this workshop. And I was doing work study and had like sold furniture to just give a little bit of money to be there and then was doing work study. So I all these, saw all these people as really wealthy and I realized getting to be in groups with them, I was like, they're just people. Just normal people, right? Totally. And they have this, they have problems too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it, it just changed my whole thinking about money and wealth. And that was really the beginning of a whole different world for me where I started to read everything I could about wealth development and money and realize that these skills are not taught in schools you know, the same thing that you advocate for. It's like, oh, well, what are the things we need the most to get through life in a happy way? 
good relationship skills and powerful money skills. And we don't get either of those in school. No, and but I did have a pottery power. class. I did have a pottery class and that has paid off. That coaster <laughs> was a good 10 years of keeping my table nice and dry. <laughs> my coil coaster. So I, remember, I even remember that. See, that's what's so awful is I even remember what's called a coil coaster. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I, our kids are hungry for this information. Like they want it. Do you know, I had no idea I didn't know. Right. Like kind of yeah. like you said, like, I just didn't know. I didn't know these things. And but um, I saw a study come out that said that um, I think it was 78% of Gen Z wants financial education. Yeah. I didn't know those two words existed when I was a kid. And I was yeah. like, that is so, because they, they consume information so different than us. Oh, totally. Now, I have a six and an eight-year-old. And so I had to explain TV to him because we were at a hotel and he was like, put the show on. I'm like, you can't, it starts in 10 minutes. He's like, what do you mean? What? Because he's a Netflix <laughs> Not kid. On like, yeah, yeah. I can't watch 40 of those if I want to. Like, no, you know, so yeah. like they consumed it, but it was so encouraging to me to see that stat. Right? Yeah. Because when you, what you put light on shines. And so if they're looking for financial education, they know it's missing, you know, and it's our job yeah. to make sure that they, we, we, we provide this, you know, and that's like how yeah. I look at things. So like I had that same kind of like, wait a minute, like, how, how does this work? <laughs> you know, thing is, I think it's amazing that you kind of um, had that kind of moment there that you realized that uh, wealthy people are people too. And 80% of millionaires are self-made, right? And they didn't come oh, from, they didn't come from, up, yeah, they didn't come from upper, uh, and they didn't, they, with zero inheritance. That's awesome. Yeah. And so um, when you, so you've, you've kind of had this big transformation and then you, what did you decide to do about it though? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we can learn all day long, but if we don't implement, it doesn't do any good. So I always say knowledge in action is power, not just knowledge is power. You've got to actually that. put things into action, which is why I'm an NFA coach, right? Like no <laughs> fooling around, like get serious, get real, take action. My, one of my favorite mantras is uh, the, that I tell my people is decide, commit, take NFA action. Like that's how you can change, but you, you got to have the belief system. So people get really stuck because we get so many downloads when we're kids about money beliefs and it's unconscious. And then it's what we carry into our adulthood and we don't even know it. Most people have no idea. They're walking around with all of these crazy money beliefs. Like I had, you know, that wealthy people had no problems in their life and, and, and simultaneously that they're bad people, you know, like you're a bad person. If you're too wealthy, you're selfish, you're evil, you're greedy, you're, you know, you, all those things. And so you know, it's really important for us to analyze our belief system and our subconscious drivers around it so that we can start to pick apart some of that. So for me, it, it, it the really, <laughs> I think sometimes there's a beautiful gift of being at the bottom or whatever your bottom is, because it causes you to shift your values. You know, so our voids create our values. And when, when I think about values, I think about them as our highest priorities in life. And so I had a massive void, right? I was going, I mean, it got bad where my, you know, every day at the kitchen table, my daughter was applying for schools for college and I, I couldn't pay for college. We're on food stamps, living in subsidized housing. And she, you know, I was like, you're going to have to get some scholarships. And she like powerhoused it. And she was writing these essays that I was helping her edit. And she's writing about being poor, growing up poor in a wealthy community. And so she's talking about like all these ways she's, we spice the beans and rice, you know, and what that feels like to be in that position. And I'm just, I'm sitting there helping her write this. And then I just go to bed and cry every night. <laughs> like, 
oh, this is an awful reality. I've got to, like, I've got to do something. This is awful. And, and I wanted her to succeed because of course I wanted her to get into college. And yeah, it was, it was hard. And so I was highly, highly driven. <laughs> I, so I have a question for you because I, when people interview me, they know my story. I was just a quick overview. I was at 27 years old as a millionaire at 28 years old, I was $700,000 in debt with no job in foreclosure and IRS tax liens. Right. So I got a real one of those, right. A real one of those, you know, here's my bottom. And, um, they asked me like, man, would you, you know, what would you have changed at this point in my life? I'm like, nothing. I would yeah. not, I needed that because I didn't like 27 year old me. I like 29 year old me a whole lot more when I changed my paradigm of looking at the world. And mm -hmm. so my question to you is, would you have changed it? No way. Now. Totally agree with you. Yeah, but would you no have changed way. it then? Right. You would, I, yeah. I, people ask me now, like, I no, I think when yeah. I was in the bottom, like if people were like, well, and you know, would you change that? And I was like, no, I wouldn't change it now. But if you would asked me then, I'd be like, yeah, get me out of this situation. Oh, of it's awful. Like, yeah. I want anything you're in but pain. This. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We want to we want to escape pain. But I think it's why most people don't do the hard work of mastering themselves is because it's so much easier to avoid the pain. The comfortability, right? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, you know, it's not it's not painful enough to drive you to to change, but it's also not yeah. it's not also, you know, it's not uh, I guess you're not hungry enough to go after it. Maybe is that the, yeah. I guess the kind of the, it, well, it's, it's kind like, of a weird middle it. spot, right? Like where you're just totally. kind of getting through life and yeah, you know, the ups and downs, like as an entrepreneur and it's inbred in me, like I gotta go solve problems or break things. Like there's always something for me to go do. I feel yeah. like, right. And so like, yeah. I can't, I don't relate well with the coast. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'll chase yeah. the, I'll chase the, the peaks. If I, even if I have to hit some valleys, yeah. You know? And it's like, I seek it, you seek it a little bit. Yeah. I call it the curse of the comfort zone because <laughs> you are, it's almost a curse because I mean, most, a lot of people will come to me to work with me because they're like, I'm doing fine, which is comfort zone, yeah. but people don't really want to do fine. They want to live a fired up life where they're yeah. doing what they love and, you know, making a difference in the world and have meaning and purpose. And, and then that's what brings you the money in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, and I, I think being in that zone too helps you develop into the entrepreneurial poor, mm -hmm. right? Like I see a lot of business owners that run their businesses that way. Like we're doing well, but yeah. there's no, they can't make it a month and a half. They couldn't make it two weeks without sales, right? Because there's yeah. nothing in the bank and then they're, yeah. they're working more and more and more hours, but that, that bank never changes, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I think that that zone kind of, feeds itself. Absolutely. It's funny too. I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of people think, oh, if you're, if you have money, you don't have money blocks, but poverty consciousness can be associated with what you're talking about. It's like not tracking your money. Well, not having savings, not having, you know, not going like how long would your company survive? Like some went through something like COVID if you're not on, on track with abundance money alignment and successfully thinking about, oh, like, what does money mean to my company? What does it mean to me? What are my beliefs around it? You, you know, you might struggle your whole life, even if you, <laughs> I know people who make a million dollars a year, just like you, right? I don't know what your story is about them, you know, going from that to that in the, that short amount of time, but I know people who make a million dollars a year who live paycheck to paycheck. Oh, absolutely. And I knew, like, uh, I honestly, <laughs> as a commercial banker for three years, I went into like thousands of businesses and, um, I would say that, uh, doctors have some of the worst money and credit habits, credit, money habits and credit scores you've ever seen. They've got yeah. paychecks of half a million dollars 
and you can't finance a pencil to them because they've never, they don't pay their debts. Cause they're like, I'm a doctor. That means I made it. And they yeah. don't, they don't even pay attention. Or I see these other yeah. doctors, same $500,000 in income, which is amazing, but they've built a massive wealth out of it. And it has yeah. nothing to do with being smart, right? It has nothing to do with them being smart because obviously they're smart enough. I mean, you went through the schooling, you got to do a lot of stuff to get the, to get those first two little doctor letters, right? Yeah. And so uh, to be called Dr. Amanda, it wasn't easy, right? So you got smarts, yeah. but just because you're smart doesn't mean that you have consciousness around money because you haven't learned about it. Yeah. Right. It would be like Which expecting is, me yeah. to be able to go do a surgery surgical thing because I should just know how to do surgery. Well, why do you know how to have money to handle money just because you're a surgeon? Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> it's a totally different skill set. It is. And, and consciousness. I mean, it's yeah. it's like you and I were talking pre-show about the eight-year-old, right? Like who is has an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a mindset perspective. So I talked to a lot about, so with people about their money mindset, where is your money mindset? Where, so what kind of answer do you get back? Like, what's the one, like, what's a couple examples of like, when you ask that question, are they even aware that they have a money mindset? I guess we one question. And then the second question to follow up on that is be like, where do you see commonalities where there's like, where there's blockage and needs breakthrough? Yeah, great. It, those are great questions. And I, you, partly them realizing that there is a money consciousness is a huge epiphany for them. So you're yeah. so right. Like sometimes people go, Oh, we, because we're awash in it all the time. Right. We just think I should know about this. And, and you get so used to your stories. If it's that underlying shame that you've constantly feel or guilt or fear, there's a lot of embarrassment about money and talking about money and your money struggles. So we don't talk about it. And then we make assumptions about where other people are at. And then we want to put on masks and performances, which is the whole that piece and living paycheck to paycheck, even if you make a whole bunch of money. So there's all that going on. So when people really realize like, oh, I've got like a money story going on here that I need to dissect. That's a huge epiphany in and of itself. And that's the first step. That's awesome. So when, uh, like, have you ever been to like one of those like chamber of commerce events, right? Oh yeah. Where, like you got yeah. a business, like the business card, what do they call it? The mixer or whatever they call yeah. those things, right? You yeah, gotta go I was with a member the, in Boulder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So have you ever gone to one of those and you're like, how's it going? And they're like, I can't manage my money. Like nobody ever said that. Everybody's just like, things are great. Like, can I sell you something? And they just that hand you a business awesome card, right? If like, they did say that. Like, can you imagine if there was like a like an SNL skit or like if there was like a truth serum you had to drink when you walked into one of those? Like, what would happen to their businesses? They would probably explode because it would be honest about it and then say, yeah. "Hey, I'm struggling in this piece." Because that's the one piece you're not supposed to struggle in or talk about. Yeah, is the financial side of it. And so it becomes this taboo subject, and I feel like we carry that home, right? And so oh, we carry that yeah. home to the kids. Like, you may not know that you're writing your financial story, your money story with your kids, but you are. Uh -huh. Whether you're talking to them or not, you're writing yeah. some sort of story either way, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, so we get verbal downloads, right? Like direct messages. So someone will say, like parents will say, money doesn't grow in trees. You got to work hard to make money, like on and on and on. We right? can't afford we, that. Totally. And we can't afford that. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many messages we get, but then you get the indirect messages where you're just watching people and you're observing and you're experiencing. Right. So it's like, it could be you watching movies over and over where you see that it's always the, the rich person pitted as a bad guy yeah. or the bad, it's usually <laughs> a bad guy, let's say, you know, so then you're like, Hmm, money's bad. You know, you get these cultural paradigms downloaded into your brain and you don't even know what's happening. You're just a sponge when you're a kid soaking all that up. I'll give you one that hit home that somebody brought up to me before was uh, when you go into like the store and your kids are little 
and you're like, no, 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 we didn't come for that. Or no, no, we don't have, I don't have, mama doesn't have any money for that. Or daddy doesn't have any yeah. money. Right. And then two seconds later you stop and you pick up something and you're like, Oh, and you throw that in the cart and you just totally. whip the cart out and, and, and do this thing. And the kid's watching you like, wait, you said we don't have any money. We didn't come for this. Yeah. You buying that that you didn't come for like, hold on. Yeah. Are you telling me the truth about things? Right. And I was well, like, and oh. then what does that say? Like, am I not worthy of that? Yeah. There's or all kinds I shouldn't of ask for what I want. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt when I heard that. I was like, ooh, I was like, I gotta, you know, but I'm aware of it now. And yeah. so I will say, no, we're not, you know, we're not purchasing that. Uh, and we're just, and we're like, why not? Because we're deciding not to purchase that. Yeah. Right. Instead yeah. of just being where we do these little kind of like, I don't know what they're called, but like, you know, you, you use a little like side note to, to, to just push them off right yeah uh, yeah. What do you, yeah i forget what you call that but it's like i think you know, of a reframe like you reframe yeah, it yeah yeah it's, we're for us at that point but i'm talking about when you when they say something to you like i you know if they're like hey you know uh can we buy this and you're like uh no don't worry about that right and you're just trying to push them off and just push oh, them yeah, down yeah, the road yeah. Yeah. well we do that so much with little kids because we don't think there's an effect but there is oh, you know huge yeah. Well, and the and, cool thing about kids is before they get those downloads is that they want, they ask for everything. They see the world as super abundant. They're like, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Which is how it would it. be amazing yeah. if we all were, you know, and you go like, okay, I want that. Oh, let's get it. Like, let's have fun exploring how to create ways to get what we want and know that the universe is abundant, but we don't, we, you know, when we tell kids, it's funny. I had this conversation with someone about Christmas lists. They were like, they were, they asked for everything. And this, that, and the other, they're kind of telling stories about how they shouldn't be asking. I'm like, well, you asked them to give you the list, <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't so it the worst when we hear something like that? We're like, ah. Yeah, it, it's right? awesome because it's like that that kid is like, well, you, ask, I'm going to ask for what I want. And that's hard for people. People yes. in their 40s, 50s, 60s, sometimes don't even know what they want. And the, the, all of this in my mind is tied to money and money mindset and poverty consciousness and you know scarcity versus abundance and those kind of things. Well, I'll give you a great example. The kid I was telling you about in the story, the eight-year-old kid, right? He, he designed these shoes. He got a patent. He actually, uh, he owns the word um, adventurability. It wasn't, it wasn't, nobody had it. So he trademarked it. So he's eight years old and owns his own word. But That's anyway, cool. um, he goes to this Chinese factory and the guy like he's like he's like the guy loves him because he like he brings him a shoe and he looks at it and he goes it's not squishy enough and he hands it back and the guy goes what to do and he goes he goes later the dad he pulled the dad aside and he goes i've had designers take six months and give me a four-page dissertation to explain <laughs> squishy <laughs> right because i just walked over and I go this isn't squishy enough they know exactly what to do so yeah. it's like we, we just confuse and conflate yeah. our own problems and issues it seems so like as adults true. that we yeah. get in our own head and we pass those things on a lot of times and a lot yeah. of times man you just got to look at it and go this isn't squishy enough right <laughs> <laughs> that that blatant honesty it's that they have is amazing example. right yeah yeah we, <laughs> and, uh, we, we, we way overcomplicate things i so, mean really really if you want a map to change your wealth building sess and what to tell your kids it's oh let's learn about how to build wealth together let's make it fun let's dedicate ourselves to it and and explore it and start playing and practicing in that way well, that alone about, like, is a shift your you money know? story there right like so like you have to if you haven't done it yet and now it's like i think what a lot of people have is they have an anxiety of like well i'm gonna expose myself yeah to, right because that's the taboo part is like if i tell my kids about money they're gonna judge my bad behavior right yeah. i think a lot of people think that way mm -hmm. and so um uh, that part of just being acknowledging like, okay, this is what we've done so far, but what do we want to write the second half of our money story to be right. And yeah. then take the control 
even if you haven't done it or you've made bad decisions or you're on the floor crying and you have an aha moment, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. what have I I've done so many wrong things? Like none of that matters now, right? Like drop the yeah. baggage and change the way that you want to write your story going forward, I think. Yeah. You know, well, let me ask you something. So you mentioned um, the difference between scarcity and abundance. And how do you see that? Because I, I think that that would be a very difficult transformation for people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's 85% of the world is pain avoiders and 15% are pleasure seekers. And they're generally the, the entrepreneurs is, uh, are a lot of the pleasure seekers. But how do you, so how do you, how do you attack that when you go to bring that up with your, with your coaching clients? <laughs> it's funny that you say, oh, it's interesting. You say the 15% are pleasure because, you know, it's like we're animals and we always avoid pain, seek pleasure. True. And I think entrepreneurs have the powerful mindset of being able to offset pleasure in the moment for long-term gain which is a difference, but okay. Side note. Um, <laughs> will you ask that last question again? Yeah. So yeah. like, how do you, so how do you approach that, that subject with people to, to oh, abundance. start? Yeah. Yeah. So abundance for scarcity. Like that's a deep one. Like that's inside. <laughs> it it, it's really like, you've got a, yeah. Right. There's yes. an interior piece in there. And I wonder how do you get to that? Yeah. The way I do it is, is working with people on their money stories. So, and, and because I would never come into someone and say, oh, you've got a poverty consciousness mindset, you know, like right off the bat. Hey. <laughs> you know? right, see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> right. We just got to deal with that. You yeah, know? Fix, fix it, that and get back to me. It's, and, uh, lay, yeah. it's like peeling the layers of an onion. One of my favorite quotes of all time is um, Carl Jung. And he says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fate. And so it's our job to make the unconscious conscious. And so it's my job as a coach to help people do that because I can come to you and say, well, you're not making enough money. What are your money blocks? Well, if you knew what your money blocks were, (laughs) you wouldn't have them, right? And you would be able to get there. And so it's my job to help you. And so, you know, for anyone listening or watching, it's start to notice when you hear yourself say things like, we can't afford that. Or when you see a really fancy, this one happens a lot. You see a really fancy car drive by and you're like, that guy must be a, oh, sorry, sorry about that. You mean <laughs> that an guy, undercover cop? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sorry. You know, that guy must be a jerk or <laughs> along those lines. And, and you start to notice your languaging around it because it gives you insight into what those unconscious beliefs are because that is a really easy one to see. Like if, if you're saying we can't afford it, then you have a poverty consciousness mindset. To have an abundant mindset for the same thing, you'd go, huh, well, we're not choosing to spend our money on that today, but let's make a plan to, to see how we can get that. Yeah, am I, willing to, like a, am I willing to trade yeah. the other things that I do? And often it is that, right? It's not yeah. that we can't afford it, so we choose not to spend our money on that. We, spend, we almost always are able to come up with money for what we really value, always, mm-hmm. right? Like people who say they can't afford something and then, and then the, like you were saying in the store, it's like, oh, well, we don't want to buy that toy, but we do want to buy this shirt. <laughs> and it's, you know, often like an appearance or something along those lines. But so, so first just noticing those things and, and sit down and get conscious of what your thoughts and beliefs are about money. So really simple ways just to sit down and go like, what did, what are the top five I have people when they do their money story, write down their very first money memory. We almost all have, most people can come up with it pretty easily. The first time they remember like thinking about money as a thing, like they're like, oh, and they write that down and they start to even just pick that apart. And they realize like, there's some big 
downloads and, and beliefs that got embedded just in that. And then you look at what did my teachers tell me? What did the movies tell me? What did my parents tell me? What did my siblings tell me? And just start looking at it, investigating and thinking, how could that belief be tied to my results now in my world of money? And just, you know, to, to get conscious, it takes, it's a lifelong journey. And you're not going to do it overnight, but it's just steps in that direction to start to get to know yourself better and start to be a curious observer of your thoughts instead of just letting the freight train go all the time and never really questioning anything. I would say, I think I do another answer to this, but do you think it's easier to do it on your own or with a coach? I mean, I'm a coach, so I'm biased, but I wouldn't be where I am without a co- without having gotten coaches and coaching. Like I, I mean, my massive transformation was me diving all the way in and then having help, ha- having help with people helping me see my blind spots, because yeah. that's the thing you're stuck because you can't see your blind spots. And so you, I, I won't say that you can't do it alone, right? Yeah. Like it's possible. But it's easier when you have someone guiding you to help you dig into those scary, dark parts. Um, I was going to say, I'm looking this up because I, I want to make sure the, the, the URL is right. Um, but I have a money magnet guide. Um, if you go on my website homepage, nfacoaching.com, I have a money magnet guide. And I give you like books, uh, a lot of resources in there. It's, it's doable on your own. I mean, I started on the journey myself, and, but it did yeah. lead me to wanting to have help digging deeper into those parts. So I, so I think that the, answer uh, the acknowledgement has to come from inside right like i i i'm now ready to take this change and so for me um like i said my i was so far in the hole that i really just didn't have a choice right and at that point it was like okay i need to look at what got me here because it was clearly me that got me here and so Mm -hmm. um i needed to have that and so i've told people that with money talkers one of my goals is to keep people from needing dave ramsey right (laughs) and so and educating because i just I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. So I started a business when I was 23. Like it didn't, I never, I it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll just, I'm, I'll, yeah. have, I'll own a business, you know? And so it never really even crossed my mind. But on the flip side of that, we never talked about like budgeting or any of that stuff. And so I just credited everything and then blew it, blew it all up. Right. And, and when, when things went wrong, because I feel that, uh, I feel that, you know, a bull market is probably the worst teacher, right? These recessions, unfortunately, we're in a pretty deep thing that's going on right now. And, uh, but there are a lot of people that more money is made in recessions than they are in bull markets because opportunity starts to show up and it forces us to look for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about, um, having a money magnet, right. What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is that your thoughts, your beliefs, your decisions, your actions are in alignment to attract money your way instead of repel money away from you. And this can even be like, I I worked with someone who was, who made in the, you know, she was between the 13 and $19 million a year range in her business. And she wanted to get to 20. And she kept telling herself, when I get to 20, I'm going to leave because I hate what I'm doing, but she would always (laughs) sabotage, right? So that sabotage tells you that you're repelling money. So the opposite of magnetism, right? You're, you're pushing the money away because somewhere in your system, you're not in alignment. So if your thoughts, your beliefs, your decisions, your actions, your feelings, they're not in alignment, you're going to end up pushing money away. So money magnetism is when you 
when all of that's aligned to have you have this abundant flow of money doing things you enjoy you're not worried about it it keeps coming your way and then you're building it up because you know it's like we can we have we know people who make a lot of money but don't keep it so you want to be able to make money keep it and then have it flow through you so you're circulating it back but you're still always building your wealth as well so create win-win exchange how do you transfer that to young people because a yeah. lot of times when I, well, I just want to clarify. So like a lot of times when I talk to people that have had transformations or entrepreneurs, most high achievers have had some level of despair multiple times in their life. Right. And it's like, they had to learn lessons, right? It's a lot of, it's a lot of fixing we talk about. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's kind of like the whole thing about like Dave Ramsey. Like I, my goal was to keep people from getting into the hole. Right. And mm -hmm. so with my mind is that if we can transfer the ahas the, from the high achievers to our young people before yeah. they have life to deal with, that they can go out and solve the biggest problems, impact the world and make the world a better place along with their own success and happiness. But yeah. before, you know, like you said, like I'm in school, expensive place to live, kids, like all that stuff. It's amazing that you came out of that because that just made the backpack heavier, right? Mm -hmm. It gets a lot heavier to run up the mountain with a heavy, heavy, heavy backpack. But if our kids can do it with no backpack, yeah. You know, what are they going to, what can they go out and do? And so yeah. how do you think you can convey that into younger people? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And what, what age would you say, I'm curious what you think about this. Like what age, I mean, I think it starts really, really young, but at what age do we, are you targeting in, in this way of thinking? Uh, in, in this con that question, I was thinking more of in the probably late junior high, high school kids. Okay. Right. I think that it starts before preschool. Yeah. It starts yeah. at three, I think. That's three the challenge, right? Because it's like, because if we're thinking money talks, we're talking to, to kids who have a rational sense of thinking already and can have those conversations and the downloads happen like between zero and seven, they're absorbing all those downloads and those belief systems. So, so it'd be awesome if we started zero, right? Yeah. And we just, we, we start showing it through modeling and being conscious of what we say and recognizing ourselves. Do we have a poverty or an abundant mindset and starting to work on ourselves so that our kids can model after us, then having those direct conversations as they get older and really, you know, stepping into the, the conversations about it and starting to plant the seeds of abundance thinking and success thinking and solution oriented thinking and realizing that, you know, any kid who can, who can be self-reflective and self-aware and question things and start to be more conscious is going to be carrying a way lighter load in their backpack. Right. So any of those invisible beliefs that we carry, we want those invisible beliefs to be like wings instead of weights in the backpack. Right. And, and that's that. how I think of it. You know, yeah. it's like, where can we empower our kids through us being masters of our mind and then modeling directly teaching, you know, it's like rich dad, poor dad style, right? Like giving them fun challenges to see what they can do with money and have it be playful and fun and exciting and rewarding instead of, drudgery and scared when they're watching you at tax season break down and freak out and sweat at the table <laughs> you know. no yeah not me i'm like extension <laughs> yeah <laughs> got him <laughs> right bought me six months ah <laughs> you know and so um i think that's uh i think that's just a, a really great way to think about that is that you know teaching them the self-awareness piece because you've done it right if you haven't done it then do it with them totally right like i yep. think that that i think that's the part that 
stops a lot of people is the fact that like I said earlier, like, oh, they're going to judge me on my decisions and the things I've done and those kind of things. But like, yeah. what do you think is going to happen if you don't do it? Right. right. When, it, when it, it would be better not to do it day one. And even if you had the judgment, right. Yeah. And then say, Hey, look, but we're going to do something about it because right. everybody's got problems is what you do about it. Yeah. Well, and what a cool gift to sit down and have that convert that conversation with your kids. Like, Hey, here's the mistakes I've made. Here's the things I even recognize. I've probably taught you and I'm in the learning phase and I want to empower myself. So like, let's get you so that you don't have to, so that you can grow your wealth quit more quickly without so many headaches and so many fears, because, you know, just be vulnerable. Like kids, yeah. kids want to connect with their parents when their parents are real kids know when you're hiding your stuff. They do. They know. They're incredibly brilliant and and energetically aware. They are, you know. And so it's like they know when you're hiding things. They know when you're scared. They know when you're afraid about money. And they feel that when you talk about money and and spend money and do all the things. So it's like when if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, yeah, that has been me. Just have an honest conversation first with yourself. And then with your kids and they will learn something from just that conversation. They'll be like, cool money. It's okay to talk about my weaknesses, my, my perceived weaknesses that actually can become strengths. You know, I think about like the anxiety that probably runs through that. Right. And it's like, I think that's a big barrier, but to me, I've always gotten through barriers with whys, right. With what, what my why is yeah. if my why is I don't want my kids 20 years from now, feeling the same way yeah. that I should be able to get over myself enough to change this. Right. And that would, you know, that's, that's, yeah, I think that if you're having, if you're struggling with that, like, look at what you want the outcome to be and decide to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like get over your fear of yourself of being embarrassed so that you can empower your, yourself and your kids in the future. Yeah. Or want yeah. for them more than you avoid your fear. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's why I yeah. say like, there's, it's not, I don't think yeah. you can make it go away. It's like anything no. else. Like you can't be unafraid. Like you can't just be like, well, that thing scares me. And now I'm just unafraid of it. Like, I, you know I mean? I think yeah. about like my kids and stuff, you know, like they don't want to go take a shower in that one bathroom in our house. Cause it scares them. Like I can't yell at them enough to convince them that it's not scary. Like it's scary for right. them. So let's yeah. go handle it you know let's go in there and figure it out and deal with it and start going yeah. and so i think it's kind of the same approach we need to take yeah. some of our own medicine on that stuff right well that is awesome i'm i'm <laughs> i think you and i could probably talk for another couple hours on yeah. these kind of subjects and so i want to um i want to give the opportunity to, to um to let people know where they find out more about what you do and 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 where to find out more about you yeah uh, if they go to nfacoaching.com, so NFA, no fooling around. Or <laughs> no effing around. I think yeah, we no effing around. <laughs> or neurofreedomalignmentcoaching.com. They'll find all kinds of stuff. I have weekly videos. I have a Max Potential Habits podcast, Money Magnet Guide. And then I, I, have, on, I have online courses, a quiz, I have all yeah. kinds of cool stuff. And all of it will link to Money Work. Because to me, money work is the basic, you know, it shows a lot about where your mindset's at and, and it'll affect your business in big ways. So there's a ton of good resources there. And what I kind of said earlier, like what, what you put light on shines. And so the beginning that you start to consciously do this, I think one of the biggest things I heard you say that I kind of, we didn't go back and talk about it all was like, you started listening to podcasts, right? 
and I know that's not a plug for me, but it's it, the idea of when I shifted away from entertainment to uh, what is the, the to purposeful yeah. entertainment, right? Like uh-huh. I started feeding my brain with things, yeah, books and Audible and podcasts and what I watch on YouTube and like what you put in your brain is. I was told your brain will seek to validate. And so if you put in really good stuff, your brain's going to look for really good things and ways to make things better and do stuff better. And you're good. And you're all these things. And so I heard you say that. And then you're like, like, I started listening to podcasts and then I got doing this and doing that and doing this. And it was just kind of like a mindset shift. And it's really what you start feeding your brain. Oh yeah. It has a big impact on the way you see the world. Oh, it's huge. You know, so huge. Yeah. that's why there's these, uh, all these 24 hour news cycles, right? <laughs> Everyone yeah. thinks the world's going to going yeah. on, you know, is burning to hell. So it's, uh, because yeah. you're watching that constantly. And so, um, I heard that earlier and I was like, I didn't want to skip it. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Amanda. I appreciate it. We're going to hop on and do the, um, high impact series next and, uh, make sure that you go check out if you're an entrepreneur, uh, even if you're just really wanting to start explore with your own mindset and things, she has tons of resources on her website. It's pretty amazing what you put out there. So I want to say thanks for coming on Money Talkers with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker